everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok, and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Run-Through. I'm Chloe Mao. And I'm Cho Manardi. And this week on the show, I'm so excited because two of my British Vogue colleagues, Alex Kessler and Daniel Rogers, are going to be speaking with Chapova Lavena, who a brand that I just love, the two designers behind it. And later on in the show, we are going to hear a bit from director Baz Luhrmann. But first, Choma, the British Fashion Awards are coming up on Monday, December 4th. Can you tell us a little bit about the nominations and who you're excited about? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big night. It's obviously like British fashion's biggest night out. And um, Designer of the Year is, is obviously one that everyone's talking about. Sarah Burton is nominated, who recently showed her last collection for McQueen. So I think everyone is is rooting for Sarah. It's also a category that has a lot of big names in it. You know, there's no guarantee. But Sarah, for obvious reason, I th- I think a lot of people are rooting for Sarah. Got it. Um, but yeah, you've got Mucia Prada, you've got and Raph Simmons, you've got Machu Blase for Bottega, you've got Jonathan Anderson for JW Anderson Loewe, and you've got Daniel Lee for Burberry. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a lot of big names. Choma, the people want to know the most important thing. What are you yeah. wearing? Uh, the big question for 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 the the small world that is me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I got very lucky because. Maximilian Davis, who I interviewed, who is the creative director at Ferragamo, he reached out and asked if he could dress me. And obviously I was very excited about that. And I've chosen this really beautiful dress that actually showed on the runway for fall. It has a kind of a built-in cape. It's like this jersey fabric, quite heavy. And there's a sheer panel in the front, but it's 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 really pretty. It has like a little a little jersey cape and a and a, Ooh, and a long a jersey skirt. I'm not usually into capes, but this has like a mini kind of draped cape over the over the arms, and it, oh, it's really good. 
So yeah, so I'm not wearing it in white, but I'm wearing it in, they, they have a red version and <clears throat> I'm very excited to be wearing it. Um, and I think I'm going to be sitting near Martine Rose. I'm sitting with the Farfetch crew. Is Martine nominated? Yes, she's nominated for British Menswear Designer of the Year and obviously love Martine. So if she wins, it'll be a big moment for, for my table since she'll hopefully be sitting right next to me. And the guests of our episode today, Chipova Luena, are nominated yes, for New Establishment. For the New Establishment. That's right. And so is Supriya Lele, who's also been on our show. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a really interesting, interesting night. And then... You know, our colleague, Edward Enninfall, will be getting the Trailblazer Awards. It's going to be a big night for okay. British Vogue and, and for Vogue in general. And um, Sarah Moa, who's the lead critic for Vogue Runway, she'll be getting a special recognition award for Champion Young Design Talent. So we're all kind of, it's going to be a big night it's for, a big Vogue for night. Vogue. Big Vogue night. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, in other big news this weekend, will you be going to the Beyonce premiere? I am. It, there, there was a, a premiere in LA. So, and and uh, and Beyonce wore this amazing silver, um, continuing her theme, her Renaissance tour theme. She wore this in- incredible silver Versace look with platinum blonde hair. I know um, she was sort of doing her Donatella cosplay. Yeah, it was very Donatella inspired. So, Choma, you are seeing Beyonce movie this weekend. I actually went yeah. to a movie theater last night for the first time in maybe years to see Maestro. The and Leonard Bernstein what, what did you think? biopic. Uh, it's beautiful. I loved it. Uh, Taylor and I were discussing it in more in depth this morning that right. I, I personally wanted a bit more about his work. It's very much a portrait of a marriage, um, mm. which is beautiful. But I, I, as a Bernstein fan, I wanted a little more. I wanted some West Side Story, Jerome Robbins cameos. Right. Um, right, but it's really spectacular. And it got me excited about award season. And... Everyone's starting to come out of their strike cocoon. Uh, the Gotham Awards were earlier this week. I feel like that was an awards no one cared that much about, but everyone was very focused on it. All the stars were out. The looks were out. Margot Robbie yeah, came tell me, as tell me Black what, Magic who are your Barbie. Favorite looks? Oh, no. Wow. I yeah, missed yeah, yeah. that. Oh, yeah, How yeah, did yeah. I miss that? Prada, Black Magic Barbie. Ooh. And we, Jose was saying this morning <laughs> that the real story is that Somehow, Margot Robbie has gotten all of these design houses to create custom Barbie looks, which is so rare and sort of funny that it almost makes the looks unrecognizable from the designer. Um, wow. But, yes. Yeah, yeah so I, I mean, she must have had so many, so many lined up that she wasn't able to wear. I think that's what happened. Choma, I feel like we're entering the period of the year where all the destination shows start happening. There's mm. Pharrell's second Louis Vuitton men's collection showed today in Hong Kong. Then there's Balenciaga in LA this Saturday. There's also yes, the Academy Museum Gala on Sunday in LA, which had been rescheduled mm-hmm. and it's going to be very star studded. So that'll be another fun red carpet to watch. And then Chanel Manchester is end of next week. You're going. Tell us about that. Do you feel like everyone's coming to your hometown after you <laughs> went to college there? <laughs> I haven't been back in decades. Oh, so, wow. <clears throat> so I, I mean, what a so, chic way um, to go back. I know. It's going to be a completely different experience because like when I was, you know, I was getting the night bus home and it wasn't very glamorous. And I was like going to like warehouse parties and listening to Gabba at like 3 a.m. And everyone was 
on ketamine. But no, I it would be a different side to Manchester, a very glamorous side to Manchester. You know, as I've said before, I've worked at Manchester United um, football ground. So I think somehow... They're taking everyone <laughs> to like- a soccer game, right? I've I heard yes I think that's that's part of on the itinerary and maybe that will give some clues as to what the collection will is it going to be football slash soccer inspired I don't know I don't know I think it's an interesting place to to you know have a show I think it's probably about the most glamorous thing that's ever happened to Manchester I think it's kind of cool and then Choma was last week quiet is there any sort of Thanksgiving attempt by Americans in London? I went to something on Saturday that was just organized by some friends of mine. And so there were a lot of Americans in the room, but it was very, it was very relaxed. What did you do for Thanksgiving? I drove from New York to Virginia with two toddlers (laughs) in a like pelting rainstorm on Tuesday evening and then we had a very nice, quiet Thanksgiving um, with my in-laws in Colonial Williamsburg, which is where they live. So it's sort of a delight. You go for a run in the morning and people are like wearing their tricorn hats, sweeping the stoop and with their big wow. bustle skirts. We made a gingerbread house. We uh, Successfully? Yeah. I mean, the icing must have been like... I, I can't imagine it was edible. It truly looked like Elmer's glue. <laughs> but it, were, it stood stood up. And uh, we turkey trotted with a double stroller. There's a lot of things happening. I I do not wish traveling with toddlers on anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I was extremely happy to be in the office Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) The run-through will be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills, or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes, and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. 
This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas, like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's macy's.com slash gift finder today. And we're back. Yes, so my colleagues here at British Vogue, Alex Kessler, who's a junior fashion editor, and Daniel Rogers, who's a digital fashion writer, both spoke to the designers behind the brand Chipova Luena. I'm so excited. I actually don't know much about them besides the, the kilt skirt. Yeah, I mean, the kilt skirt has really been their calling card. I remember getting one a few years ago. Every time I wore it, people, you know, people would comment, make, come up to me in the street. It's just such a, such a distinctive piece of clothing and they use a yeah. lot of uh, they use they upcycle a lot of fabrics and they, it just took off it sort of exploded and I remember it became kind of a street style phenomenon in this interview we learned so so much more about the brand and and it's much more than skirts everything has this sort of personal hand and and the, the fact that they that they weave in all of these kind of this these these fabrics which have stories. I mean, when you look at the skirts I have, some of them are sort of like pieces of upholstery or mm. it has this kind of like lived and, and a kind of found Loving object. hands at home. Yeah, loving hands at home, but in like a fashion yeah. forward way. I also like that they, they have such a crew of people, like the, the their shows, uh, you know, the casting, it just looks like they're friends. Yeah. And it feels so real and relatable, you know. I mean, especially now when we're, we're thinking about size diversity and in- inclusivity, you just, you don't see runways like that so often. And you just feel like you're part of their world when you go to their shows. Laura and Emma, how would you, in your own words, describe the aesthetic of Chapova Luena? It is both of us together is the true aesthetic, which comes from a lot of just our lives and our own like history. But if I had to describe it, I guess, folklore, harshly contrasted, metal, hardware. Print patterns, yeah, colors. Like, we like a lot of sort of uniforms and sort of like classic things very old things but then modernized and kind of brought back to life a lot of like we use a lot of traditional techniques to make clothes and we still do Mm. lots of like components of things are made sort of by hand and i guess we're we're most known for our pleated skirts yeah yeah with the big (laughs) big leather belt um which which are made from uh, from folkloric bulgarian fabrics yes Well, you're two of the most exciting designers to have come from London in, what, the past decade? Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh, thanks. That's very nice. And you both met at Central St. Martins, right? And then started the brand from there. Do you remember the first time you both laid eyes on each other? Yes, love at first sight, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Yeah, we remember. It was the first day of CSMBA. Yeah. And um, we met a bunch of other people in the class. But, um, I mean, we didn't actually chat on the first day. I mean, I think we spoke to each other um, 
But I think it was quite intense the first yeah. day at CSM. And it was really like, I think a couple of weeks later, we like we both lived south and I had a Halloween party and Laura came and we really like bonded. And from then on, we were just like really good friends and we would travel together after school. Yeah, that's kind of how it started. And then I think that later on, it was just friendship. Then it became about work and like actually liking the same stuff and talking about it. And I was always inspired by Emma's work and she always liked my work. So yeah. it kind of naturally just progressed into something. I want to know what your work looked like before you became a duo. Was yeah. it very different independently? We started the brand. You could really pick out which parts were Emma and which parts were me. Mm. But as now we've been doing this for like five, well, we've had the brand for five, six years. Yeah. And we've been working together for like eight years. You just can't tell anymore. It's like morphed into Chipotle one as her own person. She's, she's part of me and Emma, but she is her <laughs> yeah. own person. It's definitely separate. <laughs> I love that. Our mutual friend, the lovely Steph Yotka, yes. who's the head of digital content at Essence. She mentioned to me recently that you guys have matching tattoos. Yeah, we do. Basically, it started as a flock on our clothes from, I think, a couple of seasons ago. And it was from this very old book of like symbols. And it's two hearts next to each other touching with sort of what looks like two arrows crossing the hearts, holding a key at the bottom. And it has CL in the Yeah, and it says CL in the heart, obviously. <laughs> what was it like shifting mm. your friendship relationship to a business kind of relationship? I think that was some of the harder parts of starting the brand because, Definitely. you know, money was never easy for us. Like, it wasn't something figured out. Um, well, we never learned how to run a business yeah, no, that too. at CSM. Yeah. So it was learning how to run a business and discuss money and discuss And plans also not having any. And, yeah, how yeah. to get by. So it was definitely really difficult. At the beginning, you kind of lose that part of best friends all the time you spend together as working and you, yeah. you didn't, we didn't have time to just hang out, but we definitely make time for each other now and have like yeah. best friend dates and make time for that. We both had jobs when we started and and it was hard. Yeah. And somehow worked out. Yeah. We're yeah. still here. Here you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know today, like what what are both of your roles now at Chapova Luena? Like, do you, do you still design? So we don't have a lot of people that work at Chipotle So we do a lot of different jobs. Um, we are a team of how many in studio? Six or seven now? I think maybe seven. We do everything we design. We have no designers that work for us. We are, we are the designers. I do mo more of production. Mm -hmm. So my family work, um, does that side because they're in Bulgaria. And Laura does more of like UK financing with yeah, her mom and her sister. And mm -hmm. Business side. Of yeah. It. And like paperwork and all of that that I cannot it do. It naturally split at the yeah, beginning. Very like, naturally. It, it was helpful that we both had really supportive parents that had recently retired and had to come out of retirement for us. So yeah, um, that's quite ideal. Yeah. Emma's Yeah. <laughs> So that naturally happened and we've continued to do it that way. Yeah. Nothing really has changed. We design everything together. Yeah. And we just design a lot more things than we used to. Yeah. Speaking of design, I'm interested to know what your process is. Like, where are you most likely to find inspiration? Do you go out and seek it or is it a kind of in the shower 
situation. We look for inspiration all over the place. Like, like online has always been like kind of at the core of where we started. Like all like weird, you know, blogs and Facebook, Facebook, yeah, Yeah. um, folders of like different sports clubs, whatever. Yeah, could be anything. Last season was about um, a Cornish festival, which was connected to like Laura's husband's family Mm because he's from there. Um, And then there has been times where like the Rose Festival is very like my kind of family and where I'm from. Yeah. I feel like the themes usually, like, come to us in different ways. Yeah. Like, maybe the sports side, we do more research, but... It could be anything. It it could come from anywhere. Um, We're quite good at, like, when I'm researching for the collection, I just pull images, things that inspire me as I go into a folder for then the next season when we're like, oh, what should we do? The new season we're working on is one half about sailing. And it happened through finding a sailing carabiner. And we were like, oh, this is cool. And then we started researching sailing. But we also just moved studios. Oh, yeah, we did also just move studios to like like, a sailing club, club, basically. So does that mean that you're lurking on like Facebook groups from regional sports clubs? Yeah. Someone in Cornwall is going to (laughs) have you eyeballing them secretly yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and do your family ever give design opinions oh my god my dad does all the time he's got an opinion and he's that. also like new categories really like pushing pushing the brand oh cool <laughs> what does he want you to do He's really into, like, the Bulgarian Rose Valley right now. All kinds of different, you know, cosmetics. What does Bulgaria make? Oh, God, I'd love to know what a Chipova perfume would smell like. Well, maybe you'll find out. (sighs) (laughs) Does your family ever wear your clothes? Yes. Oh, yeah, all of them. All of them. Can you describe some moments? My dad is a fleece. He's worn it, but not in front of me, apparently. <laughs> and I know, I know I'm about to get to oh, that. <laughs> my, mom, my mom has a lot of things. She has dresses and skirts and hoodies and things like that. But we went to Bulgaria like a couple of days ago and we all went into a meeting and I was like, we all have to like dress up. And we all went in there. My dad in like a, like a fleece, like over his already three fleeces. <laughs> like it was a, re- a really strong look. Oh my my God, mom's yeah. into the shirts. And, and the, the hoodies. hoodies. Yeah, she's really loves the orange hoodie at the moment. Yeah, Laura and her mom have matching orange hoodies. Yeah, we hoodies. have matching orange That's hoodies. So no, no skirt? She, well, she's easing up to it. My mom has a skirt. She's yet to, to fully wear it. <laughs> they keep saying that they need an occasion for yeah. it. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need an occasion. occasion. No, I know. I know. This is, this is why I'm them. like, maybe they're just not skirt girls. No. No. I mean, don't you walk it. around London and you just see just about every other girl wearing a Chipova skirt. Do you? I mean, in certain corners of London on a certain night, you definitely will. It girls only. <laughs> I think on that note, what feels so unique about Chapova is that you have managed to grow this real cult following that still feels really authentic. Has it felt weird to watch that grow? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I just don't feel like we've ever seen it like everyone else sees it. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't have a, like a better answer in a way. Like, I don't think like it's it is weird. Yeah. But like also, I don't think we've ever seen it as a cult following. But. I understand why people like the skirts. There's so many different things in them. Like you connect to like a schoolgirl or to like the metal heaviness of it mm. or the like 
the the puffy like movement of it like there's so many things in it it's like a very there's lots of stuff to connect to so i i understand it's why people like it but also i didn't see it coming in some way you guys are incredible at pulling together the most interesting and inclusive array of characters for your shows like and I know, and you work with Sarah Smalls, who like she she was in my year at CSM. And love her. For our listeners, um, Sarah Smalls is a brilliant casting director based in London. Now, I just want to know what's your approach to casting? How do you do it? What's the goal? Well, first of all, it's Sarah Smalls' magic. Yeah, she yeah has, she like, does a lot of it. Amazing deck of people. Yeah, and then we go through the deck and see who we like and who we yeah. want to see. We look for interesting people and we always want like like real like just real like people yeah people mm. that we you know look like us and our friends and our family and yeah. someone that's gonna actually n- enjoy the brand I, yeah. lo- I love just thinking about like just random people walking down the street and it's important to have different size models so you can see yeah. your everyone can try and see themselves in the show like i think that's important yeah, i think totally. that that's yeah. what i love as well yeah but wait, you guys knew Alex before today, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> why haven't you cast Alex in a show? Because I think I think that he really wants to be a model. Oh my Shut god! Up. <laughs> oh, are you free love, next September? We would love to have Alex in the show. I'm dead. I mean, I am a celebrity. Are you not yeah. going to accept the offer? I don't know if we can. I accept the offer. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if this moment. is attainable. <laughs> I mean, depends on the fee, right? <laughs> exactly. Depends on the fee. And I get what, 35? Crackers for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have dressed some incredible people. Like, that. I've seen some, you know, major talents wear your pieces from Dua Lipa to Chloe Sevigny. I'd love to know who's been really exciting to see and do you feel overexposed when you see stars wearing your clothes? No. No, I think we're pretty particular. And it's also amazing. I think it's like such a crazy thing to see. Chloe was special to us. Definitely. Because we were like the biggest Chloe Sevigny fans ever, ever. And we still are. And then obviously she agreed to do. I still can't believe she did. Yeah, she agreed to do the book and it was incredible. And we met her and it was really like. Yeah, she's so lovely. Yeah. That was so fab. I think that was the biggest kind of like wow moment for me that she would do that. And she was like so, so, so nice about it. And so like understanding of what it actually meant to us. I remember when we, when I was at your book event, did did you say that she DM'd you guys? Yes, she did to buy um, a necklace when... We made them over COVID. I would have died if I got that DM. Well, I did die and I immediately called Laura. And then she, we sold her a necklace. And then she, and then I DM'd her asking her to do this like a couple years later. And she said yes. I mean, it makes so much sense that she'd be into it. I feel like the Venn diagram is very much there. Um, One of the things that I also wanted to ask you is what happens when an item goes viral? You know, like the skirts. Is that, a positive thing well it happened over so such a long time that it never felt like an instant like overnight viral thing 
I just think and that everything else. So. This skirt has been an amazing, like in like it's informed our entire brand, mm. and we give it the respect it deserves. I think. Yeah, it's the starting point for the rest of the brand and the rest yeah. of the clothes that we design. So But, it's very helpful to have. Yeah, it has grown like positively. I think it was definitely a worry in the beginning. Like, how can we make a brand around this, and will anyone care about like other products that we make? Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't feel so much of a worry anymore. Yeah. Well, it's a great entry point for people to be able to understand what you do on a much broader scale, isn't it? It's yeah. like shorthand yeah. for everything else. Yeah, totally, definitely. And can you tell our listeners like how you guys are pushing the skirt forward? It got an upgrade. It did get an upgrade like a year ago. We relooked at like just perfecting its quality and like how we can make it like the most long-lasting thing we can. Every single tiny hole, which is like two hundred little holes on every skirt, is embroidered, so it's really sturdy. It has like one really thick elastic with an adjustable string on the inside. It can actually fit you so many different ways. Well, each season we design new we, belts yeah, to go on them. So. A new belt, new fabrications. Can you tell us about the first skirt? And yeah. have you seen them in the wild? Yeah, yeah, We definitely. did see them in the wild a few times. A few times, yeah. Well, Natalie Kingham came to our studio when she bought our collection, which was back in 2018. We sort of came up with exactly how the skirt is now in a way with her saying this is going to be the most sort of best version of it for like customers yeah. with the, you know with this kind of bell. I mean, we at that time we had really crazy skirts <laughs> that would kind of fall off. The first skirts we all made ourselves. The first yeah, whole matched order in the studio. Wow. There was 30 of them. We literally cut out every single leather belt. Oh. I'm really surprised they're still standing, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> they're very special, though. If you yeah. have one, keep looking yeah. after it. And Natalie Kingham is the former buying director of matches, right? Yes. Okay. And are the skirts still made with Bulgarian fabric? Yes. How my, do you source that? My mom is a, our sorcerer. She worked mm. our sorcerer. <laughs> sorcerer. <laughs> our head sorcerer. Um, she works for us and she sources all the um, textiles. She mends them all by hand. Every single kind of different textile. She knows how to like, you know, wash it, care for it, kind of make it perfect. And the head of our factory, Alexandra, is incredible. And she puts every single like tartan together perfectly saves every tiny scrap of fabric and put we make remnant skirts of all the leftovers her and my mom are constantly sort of discussing it and how it's best done and how it's more, most beautifully combined like all the tartans and they're very like it, the level of care that they give to it is really amazing we love that you both wear your own clothes mm. a lot pretty much predominantly yeah we do feels, right but if you're not wearing chipova luena What do you wear? What do, do you shop? Like, who do you look at? We only wear two brands. We wear Chipova Luana and Eckhaus Lada because we're friends with them and we do Aww. trades. We buy their stuff. They buy our stuff. And we, like, basically only wear those two things. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. And, and it makes love so much them. sense. Yeah. We love them. I'm obsessed <laughs> with their jeans. Yeah. And what about shoes? Because you guys love obsessed tabbies, right? We do love tabbies. I feel like... My love for tabbies has died down. Yeah. Oh, no. It was yeah. our fancy shoe. And It now was our we've, fancy we've shoe. made shoes for the first time yeah. and now they're our fancy shoe. I feel like one of the things that we really do need to talk about is sustainability because yes. that's obviously always been a really big part of the brand. As you've grown, how have you managed to keep that at the center? Has it been hard? Yeah. 
It gets harder and harder also because at the start, we would really use mostly dead stock. Yeah. Because it was also like, it just made so much sense. Like, we gave stores unique products that way, different prints. Like, we just didn't make enough to have a problem of like ha- supply and then it became a problem and then you know huge minimums but we use like recycled fiber textiles a lot of the time that's kind of um and like organic cottons and yeah we make sure everything is like as certified as we can yeah. and when we're producing like new fabrics we use recycled fiber or we make sure that um it's made next to the factory or in bulgaria so it has like a smaller yeah. Carbon footprint. And then mm. we make loads of things out of scraps. Like we do like all the linings of all of our things are all different because they're all like leftover fabrics from either dead stock or our own dead stock. Uh, bat, we make like now kind of dust bags for the skirts. So mm. when you buy a skirt, it comes with like a dust bag. Um, and we make those from our scraps. We make also like kids wear yeah, from our own dead stock. And in addition to sustainability, you also have inclusive sizing, which is obviously very important. Yeah, like can totally. you t- can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we do. We wish we could do it way more and for everything. It really is a matter of like money, and that's what is so hard to talk about because we we have our adjustable skirts, which we love, and we're gonna do in a lot more fabrications. So we kind of came up with this belt, which is two sizes, and it adjusts. I think up to like ten sizes. I think it goes from like a sixteen to a twenty-six. It's great, and that is really good. But then with everything else, dresses, like ev- like all of our products, like it's tar- it's a matter of like grading and, you know, being able to sample in multiple sizes. Mm. Like it really is such an expensive process. Mm-hmm. And we do try to like offer certain things, like things we made from the show or things like we've already graded, like wherever we can, we will do it. We make custom things for people if they sort of reach out to us. Yeah. We do whatever we can. But it is really difficult and it's not out of a lack of desire because we want to so badly. We're building it into the rest of the collection. It started with the skirts and the skirts Mm. have sold really well and we've got a really great response. So It's a slow build, I think. But at least you're building. Yeah. 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 That's the important thing. Um, Well, thank you guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. It's been cute. It's been cute. Yeah, definitely chat. Thank you so much. Yay. Yay! The run-through will be back in just a moment. Hi guys, I'm Celeste and I'm here with Jade and Emily and we are so excited to announce our new show, After Hours. We're three female founders who became friends through, well, trauma bonding over entrepreneurship. These days, we come together after work to discuss the highs, lows, and hilarious moments we all experience as we build our companies in our 20s as first-time founders. We're dishing advice, spilling secrets we wish we knew so you don't have to make the same mistakes we did, oversharing in the best ways, giving our legal teams anxiety, and peeling back the curtains behind startup life. So close your computers, we know it's hard, and pour yourself a glass of something because After Hours is now in session. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 
2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back. And now, Baz Luhrmann. Chloe, you and our colleague Mark Guducci spoke to Baz about his new series. It's it's called Far Away Downs, is that right? Yes, uh, it was a lot of fun to chat with him. As many people know, Baz is a big friend of Vogue, and he and Mark have been friends for a while and worked closely together on Vogue World a couple of months ago. And we spoke to him about going through old footage and asked him about his friendship with Mrs. Prada. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about all of it. Let's dive in. Baz, one thing we know about you is that you're never not wearing Prada. Is that Prada that you're wearing now? Yes, Prada. Of course you are. Shorts. I'm not wearing my shorts because they're way too short. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Baz. Baz is wearing a black t-shirt, which is Prada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is the friendship with Mrs. Prada like? And what do you like to do together? What do, you, do you guys go see an exhibition? Uh, with, like, what is, um, yeah, what do you do? I think people may not know. They, they know maybe that we've collaborated, um, Sim and I and Mooch have collaborated on like Gatsby's and even on Australia. She did the luggage on Australia. But what they probably don't know is the first time I was working with Kim Barrett on costume and Kim said, look, I've reached out to this designer, Mucha Prada. Now at the time, she had, I think she had only done women's wear and she's doing men's wear. And maybe she could collaborate on making Leonardo DiCaprio's blue suit in Romeo and Juliet. Now, she did. And because of that, the first people I ever screened the movie to was in New York was Mucha Prada, her husband, and her sister. Mucha and I, uh, we share a great sense and interest in the world. We have actually gone to pretty exotic and amazing holiday moments. I mean, Probably Russia isn't isn't the best subject right now, but I can remember once we we flew up to see the Bolshoi Ballet together, and, and we called it our little uh, to Russia with love tour. But um, actually, sometimes we've made little films. But you know, I will go to her place, and honestly, the thing that I most love with Mucha is if you have dinner or you move. Like she moves so quickly. You know, like she's really fast, but her mind is really fast. And we will jump in a conversation, a little bit of fashion, not a lot, politics a lot, then kind of it'll go from politics to just kind of spurious gossip to just a point of view about the world. So, you know, a night out with Mooch, just spending time with Moocher is like having a banquet of ideas and stories and you know, she likes to eat good food. <laughs> We're here because Far Away Downs is the re-edit of uh, your 2008 film, Australia, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman, of course, which is now a six-part miniseries. And I'm interested to know, Baz, how you uh, decided to do that, but also how you could possibly do it. Like, w- how much footage did you have that you could make a six-hour well, miniseries? couple of things. One, I don't think of it purely as a re-edit. I think of it as 
a separate variation on an existing work, a bit like a composer might take a tune they've done and do a variation on it that is separate and distinct. Nonetheless, they're drawn from the same, they're the same base. And Faraway Downs should negate Australia or Australia shouldn't negate Faraway Downs. But what happened was that I was shut down, locked down, and so I started to go through Australia. I saw some imagery. I always shot it with the idea of it being epic. And as I started to see the two and a half million feet, it has the record for the most amount of footage ever shot on a film. Um, so I must have been thinking, you know, <clears throat> it'll be a streamer one day. Um, I just realised that episodic television would allow me to really lean in to the bigger theme of the piece, and that is this taking a sort of uh, melodramatic, gone with the wind, old film form, flipping it and telling it from a First Nations young Indigenous boy's point of view. Uh, I wonder about, I feel like this kind of second chance is rare, uh, the chance to redo something that's so important to you. Is there anything else either in your own life or from your body of work that you would want a second chance at? Honestly, this is an experiment. There are works I've done that are in their nature slender. Uh, Moulin Rouge is tight and slender. But something like, and i got to be really careful here because there'll be all this clickbait saying, see, he's going to do it, and then I'll have to be back in the edit room doing something. If the experiment of Australia exists as a two-and-a-two-forty-minute sitting and faraway downs exist, and they're different, but nonetheless they don't destroy each other, then I can think of something I've done recently that I know could also have uh, an episodic version made at some point. Would you do the Taylor Swift concert film of Elvis's performances? No. I'm thinking, uh, (laughs) well, by the way, I am sorry. Sorry. You're really good at this. You're trying to get a headline out of me. Well, I'll give you one. No, I am. Actually, I'm right in the middle. I did find there's two parts to this. There's there's the four-hour cut of Elvis that I originally started with. So that material I know what's there. I'm not saying I'm doing it, but it's doable. They're very different things. But I have also let said publicly that on the road to working on Elvis, we were able to go into the salt mines in Kansas and we found all of these reels, a lot, a lot of footage that's never been seen before of Elvis rehearsing and performing in Vegas and of his tours. And the really great thing is we also found sound. So, yes, I am I am in the middle of a dialogue with Warners about doing that re-released concert film. And, Baz, you're talking, for the audience who doesn't know, about Austin Butler's performances and making a film of those interspliced with actual Elvis film. That is, yeah, I'm right into that. And that's just a question of um, the fans out there haranguing Warners and saying, hey, we really want it, you know? So, Baz, you, you're from a small town in Australia, five houses, um, and, now you, and now you basically live everywhere. And you're in Australia today and then Japan and London, mm. New York, etc. Where do you feel most at home? Well, you want to hear my cheesy saying? Okay, my cheesy saying is dream in Paris, have fun in London if you've got enough money, um, dance in Brazil, 
get lost in Tokyo or Shanghai, uh, work in LA. Australia is home, but live, live in New York. And I make that definition because I come, I mean, my children grew up in New York. I've always had wunderlust, you know, I've always had to travel to imagine, but I can't and have never, when I was very young in this tiny, tiny country town and I used to read about the theatre and see Broadway and look at the movies, I I found old Hollywood romantic because we also had the cinema. I don't know if I told you that. We had a gas station farm and we ran the cinema for a while. But Hollywood, I I was sort of brought up in a diet of old films, you know. I sort of there were five houses. There were five houses, a gas station, and a cinema. So it went something like this: the the town was. We were on the highway, and we had this broken down old gas station, which my father and mother and a cast of thousands, because dad was very about an artist living with us or people coming and staying, and they did up the gas station like a kind of fantastical caravansay. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It was. We had a supermarket and there was Lens International Snack Bar and I had bread fish and had a radio station. It was kind of bonkers looking back. But we were very isolated. And so we built our own world. And I, and I try not to be too self, I try not to examine myself too much, but I think world building, building a world around you comes from being in an isolated place where Dad actually built this kind of world. But at one point, the man who sold us the the petrol, you know, for the station, he died and he rang, ran the local cinema, which was in the next town. And so dad coming from the Vietnam War, he could actually thread a bell in how, and he started projecting the movies because that's all we had. And I'd sit in the bio box a bit, you know, Cinema Paradiso of Heron's Creek, mate, and be seeing, you know, Lawrence of Arabia and Hello Dolly, things like that. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Bye, Baz. Thank you. See you, guys. Nice to see you, Baz. That's it for the run-through. We'll see you next week. The Run-Through of Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis and Gabe Kiroga and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you soon. Bye. Hey, listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up to date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support. It meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.